All right, let's turn in our Bibles. Now, I just about changed my mind today because Earl said something about it in Sunday school, and I said, well, he can't tell me what to do, so. <laughs> but all, all week I've been thinking, uh, I figured the way it's going to happen be the way it happened this year or last year, and uh, I figured I would be preaching tonight, so I've been studying Genesis 1-1. All week, and he said something about it this morning. I was like, nah, well, what am I going to do now? But anyway, I'm going to just go ahead and do it. So get Genesis 1-1, and I'm going to preach. Uh, say there's two football games on today, and they both last three hours apiece. And you didn't mind watching that, did you? So, so, so I figure the Word of God is twice as good as any football game. And so six or eight hours of good Straight preaching, true preaching, be worth it, amen. Everybody saying amen inside this saying, oh, Lord. <laughs> because you've never known me to lie about long preaching, have you? Whenever I've said, uh, we're going to preach a long time, that's usually the truth. But I didn't never have no problem with uh, studying the Bible a long time. So I figure if you study a long time, you ought to preach a long time, amen. How wonderful it is. I feel the spirit increasing. Uh, by the second, amen. Uh, Psalm 119 at the same time, Genesis 1 1 and Psalm 119. Now, uh, I'm not uh, going to spend a whole lot of time trying to debunk the gap theory tonight, but I don't believe in the gap theory. Uh, I, uh, you just let somebody try to prove speaking in tongues. By using a verse between two verses, and and watch some Baptist Bible believers come unglued. If I said now t turn to Acts chapter two, and we're going to look between verse two and three, and I'm going to prove to you something I believe, you'd turn me off. I I hope you would, because that don't make a lot of sense to me, Amen. Uh, but at any rate, what I want to do is I'm not going to teach about that. I'm going to teach. Uh, about the creation because there's a lot of things about the creation that's very important and I can't talk at the same time I already ended up in Isaiah I know that's way past Proverbs but there's a lot of things that's important in the creation that'll help you in a lot of ways a lot of things about the creation is done by God exactly the way he done it for you when he created you and made you and saved you and there's a lot of truth wrapped up in the creation that I believe that the the devil would like to hide. Now, if you believe in the gap theory, I didn't say you was evil or wicked. It's just wrong. That's all. And that's, amen. <laughs> that's all I'm saying about it. We, you, we can still eat tacos together. And I guess, I mean, that's up to you. If you want to get bent out of shape about something that ain't in the Bible, that's, that's your business. I don't really care about that. I spent a lot of years, uh, a lot of my younger years, getting bent out of shape at people that was too stupid to read the Bible, but I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to be nice, and if you're too stupid to read the Bible, that's between you and God. Amen. God's a big God, and He's able to get a hold of you if He wants to. Amen. And I, on my part, I'm going to be just as nice and friendly about things as I possibly can be. Amen. Uh, Psalm 119, verse 190. Oh, excuse me, 160. Uh, 119, 160. Now, this is a very important verse. 
And it says, well, what does Genesis 1-1 say? It says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And Psalm 119, verse 160 says, thy word is true from the beginning. Now, there's a lot of stuff in that. I, I believe there's a lot of stuff in there. But one of the things that I do believe about that verse I just read to you, thy word is true from the beginning. I think you, uh, I think how much truth you understand about the Bible depends on what you think about Genesis chapter 1. If you don't believe Genesis chapter 1, you don't believe the Bible. Uh, you can't tell me that you don't believe Genesis chapter 1 and tell me that you believe the Bible or believe in much of anything else. Uh, you can't believe in evolution and God at the same time because that's not the way he done it. And how do I know that's not the way he done it? Because that's not what he said. God's word is what he said. Amen. And so I think thy word is true from the beginning. I think if you don't get the beginning of it right, you can't get a lot of the rest of it right. So what you believe about the Bible might be false. What you believe about the Bible might be false. Amen. You say, well, everybody's got liberty of conscience. Who told you that? The Constitution of the United States, is that what told you you had liberty of thought? You, you can think whatever you want to, but you're not going to find any statements like that. Go think what you want to and do what you want to. That's not in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. Independence is not in the Bible. Amen? This, this church and the church I go to and all churches, we talk about independent Bible-believing churches and stuff like that. A lot of them are not independent and a lot of them are not Bible-believing. <laughs> That's just the way it is. They believe what their favorite teacher believes, and they, you know, they run together. And, uh, independent churches are thicker than any Southern Baptist church I've ever been to. Amen. You just get mad at one of their preachers and find out how many of them are. They're not independent. They're dependent. Folks are dependent, and Christians ought to be dependent on one another. And this church has a responsibility to be a blessing to, to Bible-believing churches and Bible-believing people because there's only one church. The body of Christ is the, is the, the church is the body of Christ. If you're saved, you're in it. Even if you're dead, Paul the Apostle is still part of the church. And he didn't fall out because he got dead. He, he fell in deeper. Amen. When, when he died. So well, I, what I wanted you to see in Psalm 119 is thy word is true from the beginning and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. The word of God is true from the beginning. So you get the beginning right. You start with the beginning. You get saved and uh, you can read the book of John if you want to and get, you know, some experience in it. But read Genesis at the same time and, and just come on through and spend your time as much time as you can in God's word. And, and get it right. Don't let the devil uh, mess you up because the devil will try to mess you up. Uh, right here in the beginning, you, you don't get three chapters into the Bible and the devil shows up and says, that ain't the way it is. That ain't the way it is. And I'm surprised. I, I think you got Genesis in, in one of your saved hands there. Genesis chapter 4. It says uh, in verse number one, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. That's about the simplest verse in the Bible. This man, this woman, they got together and had a little child. 
It even tells you what they called the fella, Cain. Pretty simple, ain't it? Well, I've seen people use 50 other verses to prove that the devil was Cain's daddy. And that's, that's an abomination and blasphemy. If that was true, then that verse right there that I just read you, chapter 4, verse 1, is, is wrong. And there's a mistake in your King James Bible. If the devil is Cain's daddy, that verse is wrong. And that comes from a bunch of idiots anyway. I don't see why Bible believers would even fool with something like that. But the reason Bible believers would, and God bless them, I'm not mad at them, but uh, I'm mad at the fact that the devil do the same thing to a Bible-believing preacher that he will to, to Adam and Eve. Boy, they say, boy, if I was him, I would never be Eve. I'm, I'm the wrong gender. I'm a him. There no questions about that. I might be a sissy him. I might be a little him. I might be a wimpy him. There's a lot of kind of hymns you could describe me as, but I'm a him. Amen? Amen. But listen, you, you uh, the, get the, let the devil get involved in your life, in your uh, beliefs, in your faith, and he'll tell you that, you know, all, all kinds of junk. He'll tell you all kinds, and get, get Bible-believing people to start going along with that. Well, you ought to be nice to these people and you ought to put... I don't believe that. I don't believe that stuff. Fella messing with children or something like that, come into place, let's run him off before we start having church. Amen. Somebody gets, somebody's confused about that stuff. Uh, I might meet you down at McDonald's and try to talk to you and witness to you and unravel your head, but if you've got some kind of strange thing about you like that, I want to keep you away from the children and, and away from things like that because... I know what the Bible says about that. I know what I know. People, all, I'm a black sheep. I understand that. A lot of people talk bad. Brother Mike's mean. You say what you want to. My kids are safe. Yeah. Amen. And and you're not going to mess with no Bible doctrines that's plain. Now, if you know something that I don't know, explain it to me and make me see it. But don't when the when when all of a sudden Bible believers have the devil as the first king. And the devil as the first father in the book where God's the king and God's the father, then you've got yourself a problem. And it ain't some uh, Appalachian mountain boy that, and his attitude. That's not your problem. Your problem is you've been messing with the devil in order to get a hold of that stuff. So what you need to do is get the thing tied on straight, amen? And you need to figure out what, what it means when the Bible says in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth and you need to figure out what that has to do with you because just as sure as he created the heaven and the earth out of nothing he's going to turn it back into nothing one of these days. Yeah. Amen. You better be on the right side of the fence when the ground breaks away too. Amen. Because you're being a mess. brother. Uh, uh, we had a couple of fellas talk about that this morning so I'm going to move on here. Let me pray and we'll get into this Genesis Chapter 1 and verse number 1. See, I took care of two pages of notes right there. They're done. Okay. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness and for your grace this, this evening. We thank you for how good you've been to us, how merciful you've been to us. And Lord, I, I pray, God, that you'd help me to preach tonight. Help me, God, not to get distracted because there is so many things that can be said about these things. And I don't want to, uh, Lord, I, I believe I've already said as much as I want to say about the gap theory. Now I want to teach some things, uh, what I believe are wonderful things about the creation and how, uh, how uh, wonderful and well you did these things, God, uh, so that it ties right in with, 
uh, with our birth and with our salvation and, and so many other things. Help me to say these things well. And Lord, uh, I could have studied uh, twice as long as I did, and I feel like I studied a long time, and I could still make a mess of it. But I pray that you'd help me. I pray that you'd have mercy on me. I pray, oh God, that you'd help me to say these things as well as I can help these folks to hear as well as they can, God. And I pray you'd make up the difference where we lack. And I'll thank you and praise you for all that you do uh, for us here tonight. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen. Amen. All right. Now, back in uh, back in the uh, back in uh, Genesis chapter one and verse number one. And let's look at a few things about this. It says, uh, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now, I believe it happened just like that. I believe it happened just like that. Now, a lot of times what people will say was, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. They use another verse that says God didn't create it in vain. Why is it without form and void if God created it in verse number one? But see, that's not what he said at all. Verse number one is, is, not, is not describing an action. Nothing takes place in Genesis chapter one, verse one, except for a look. Now see, it helps when you're reading your Bible to know how to read. And uh, I don't think I could conjugate no verbs. <laughs> I don't even really know what that is. I, it seems like I heard some teachers talking about But I do know how to read. I do know how to put things together. And, and I, I, I've read a lot. I've read a lot of books. I've read a lot. I've read the Bible many, many, many times. I do know how to read. My mama taught me how to read real young and gave me a Bible. And I had to read it 20 minutes a day. And I've always loved to read things. I, I read... Uh, constantly. I do know how to read. And you really do know how to read. And you say, Brother Mike, I don't know how to read real good, but you can cure that. And if you're going to spend much time in the Bible, you ought to cure that. And just read and slow down. It's not a race. Reading is not a race. You sit down and read it and say, God, help me to understand what's going on. And God don't care about your IQ. Uh, he don't believe in none of that. He don't care about none of that. He don't care if you graduated high school or not. All he cares about is do you want to get something out of the book? And if you don't even know how to read, God will send somebody by to help you learn how to read. Amen. If somebody in this room can't read, you ask Miss Stephanie. She'll probably help you. Of course, I hope she charges you for it because people... <laughs> People got a lot of stuff to do already, amen. They got to teach you how to read. You might want to pay her a little something, amen, to spend her time on you. But what I'm trying to get across to you is, is that this thing is not saying that he created something and it was broke before one more verse was over. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, is in the beginning, God did it. In the beginning, that's when he done it. God, that's who done it. He created the heaven and that's all. It, it's a statement. And then verse 2, well on in. See, you get on into chapter 2, you're still in the beginning. Uh, I'm not going to get into it today, but in the book of Mark and in the book of Luke, when they're asking Jesus if folks can get divorced or not, you'd think they got it figured out by the time Jesus showed up. Huh? You better get stuff like that figured out before Jesus shows up too. But Jesus said, Jesus said, for the hardness of your heart, Moses gave you that. He said, but... From the beginning, 
God made them male and female. So there's no, there's no great gap in the, in the time period between the beginning and when God made Adam and Eve. The rest of the chapter describes the beginning and chapter 2 describes the beginning. When you get into chapter 2, you're still in the beginning. And when you get into chapter 3 and the, the devil's tempting Adam and Eve, you're still in the beginning. Because it's the beginning of time. It's the beginning of mankind. That's what it's saying. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And that's the truth of the matter. Amen? And then he says, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face. Well, why was it without form? Because it hadn't been formed yet. Is that too simple? See, I just shaved off like 30 minutes off the sermon right there, not having to explain that. It was without form because it hadn't been formed yet. Have you ever heard a preacher say, God made it out of nothing? God made it out of nothing. You ever heard him say that? Well, there wasn't nothing there to begin with. That's why they said that. It was without form and void. Once upon a time, this little lot right here was full of trees, wasn't it? Wasn't it? And then somebody come along and cut all the trees off of it, and it was void. With nothing there. As far as the field goes, just void. Now it's not void. Got a couple buildings sitting on it now. Somebody created something over here, didn't they? Well, that's all that it does mean. That's all that it does mean. Amen. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And so what you've got here is, a, is an account of God making the heaven and the earth. You've got the rest of the chapters there. We're not going to go through the rest of the chapters, but we are going to uh, uh, go through some things uh, that we ought to see. Uh, and first of all, let's go over to uh, let's go over to the book of Ecclesiastes. Well, let's don't go to Ecclesiastes yet. Let's go to the book of Job first. Did you know there's a book in the Bible older than the book of Genesis? This is the book of Job. And we'll see a few things in the book of Job. Some of you are looking a little nervous like we might actually be here for six hours. But we, that was a joke. That was to get you laughing and awake. We won't be here for six hours, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> Those things could be possible. Let's go to Job, and let's look in Job chapter 26. Job chapter 26 is a wonderful, is a wonderful chapter as well. It, this is one of Job's answers. It said, Job answered and said, How hast thou helped him that is without power? How savest thou the arm that hath no strength? How hast thou counseled him that hath no wisdom? And how hast thou plentifully declared the thing as it is? That's a good question, isn't it? That, those are all good questions. But I'm always... Astonished in these books, uh, uh, Ecclesiastes, the Proverbs, uh, the the Book of Job, the the Psalms is that way all the way through. So I'm not very surprised about that. But it surprises me how fast sometimes the context will change. I know they're connected some way or another. But man, look at this: To whom hast thou uttered words? Verse four. I, I read this, and whose spirit came from thee? Boy, that's. That's, uh, it feels to me like he's setting them up for something right there. Uh, how did you do this? How did you do that? How did you do this? And then uh, the capstone of the question, whose spirit came from you? 
whose spirit came from you. And he says, uh, right back here, you don't have to turn back and forth, but I'm going to turn back and forth a little bit. And the earth was out form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved, the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. The Spirit of God, very important when it comes to making the heaven and the earth. Hey, listen to me about this. Make sure you get this. Without God and His Spirit, ain't nothing getting made. Nothing getting made. You can't make a church. You can't make a home. You can't, you can't make children. You can't raise children without the Spirit of God. And I promise you this. You just put as much of your own flavor into your family and watch how things begin to turn upside down. Uh, very, very, very many things in my own home that I could have had my way. I could have had my way. See, people think, uh, again, I'm the black sheep. People think Brother Mike's hard-headed and Brother Mike has to have everything his way. But there are many, many, many things that I could have controlled with an iron fist. You know, King James, Bible believing, the man runs everything and the pastor controls it. I could have had that. I could have done that. And people already, people that I know already believed in that. But you know, that ain't the way to do things. That's just not the way to do things. And a lot, I could have ruined a lot of things by just ruling with an iron fist at my home, with my wife, with the church. I, I could have done that. But you know what? God showed me and God taught me very early. If God can move with his spirit and create something like a heaven and an earth, then surely he could do that in my pitiful little family. Amen? And you know what he'd done? He was faithful the whole way. Uh, my wife came to me when we first got married. She said, you think I ought to wear pants? And I said, I think you ought to go pray about that. Amen? Amen? And listen, that... When I grew up, that was a, I grew up in the mountains, boy. If you if you was a woman wore pants, you wouldn't know woman. I, the the preachers around where I grew up would call you uh, bad names. I'm not going to say words like that in front of my in front of these little children and stuff, but they called you that right from the pulpit. You need to get right with God, you old, and you can fill in the blanks if you over 15, 16 years old. They talk like that, you know. You know you ain't going to solve nothing like that. You're not going to solve nothing like that. So I says to my wife, hey, pray about it. And my children come to me with questions about what they should do and shouldn't do. Pray about that. I can, I can tell you what God told me about it. And did tell them many times what God told me about it. But I want you to find God. I tell my children, I want you to find God's will. And I want you to find what you want to do. And I want you to live your life. And I want you to be you. I'm not interested in raising clones. Are you? Are you? Can some of you parents honestly say you want your kids to grow up like you? Lord, have mercy on their poor, pitiful souls if they did. Amen? Uh, but now you can't just let them, you know, they're not free-range chickens either. Amen. <laughs> I think you understand what I'm trying to say. You get the Spirit of God. See, I added 30 minutes back. But, but it's important to, to realize and understand that whose Spirit's coming from you? Is it God's Spirit? Is it your Spirit? When you teach the Bible, is it your spirit? Is it God's spirit? And I get these kind of questions all the time. You know, why do you talk like this? Sometimes I do preach hard sermons or straight sermons, and to some people they're even mean sermons. But I, don't th I think you ought to preach things in the spirit with, in which it was given, like uh, if you're going to preach on, you know, thieving or something like that. Now, don't, 
thou shalt not thief, thou shalt not steal. I mean, I don't see God delivering it that way, do you? I mean, you're talking to hard-headed kids, you know, uh, like the children of Israel was. He probably a little bit stern. Them golden calves y'all been making, I would appreciate if you would not do that. Well, first of all, I'm not a homosexual like most of the preachers that are preaching today or a socialist. And if you don't listen, if you don't understand that most of the preachers that are in Bible preaching churches today are effeminate, socialist plants put there by the devil, then you're behind the times. You are behind the times. Uh, All the preachers that I listened to back in the 70s when I was a little bitty fella was already saying that back then. I just believed them. You know, it's a crazy thing. This is the way you keep from making friends, Brother Tommy, is you believe what the preacher says. Oh, you're following a man. Of course I'm following a man. God made that man. He said, oh, that's a fallible man. So are you. But God, God chose it to be that way. And so I, with the, the men that God gave me when I was five years old to preach, I just believed what they said. Now, I got a Bible myself, and I read a lot of things that he wasn't right about that. A lot of things my preacher wouldn't write about. A lot of things Dr. Ruckman ain't right about. Don't say that in certain companies. You'll get shot. But I like Dr. Ruckman. I like a lot of, I, I like Ian Pays. I like Martin Lloyd-Jones. Dr. Ruckman and Martin Lloyd-Jones is about as far. I mean, I don't have arms long enough to tell you how far apart that is. But both of those men are fallible men, got problems and, and went the wrong way in certain things. And let's, let's uh, make a list of all the ways you've went wrong. Okay. Well, see what they, well, you, you must not be right with God. You listen to Ian Paisley. He's a Presbyterian. Well, you must not be right with God. You listen to Rush Limbaugh. He's a Catholic. Amen. Two can play this game. I can play it all, I can play it all day long. When, when I go to church and, and you're mad at me, but I hear you quoting Glenn Beck and Rush Limbaugh more than you quoting the Bible, I win. I'm on the winning side. You're the dunce, not me. That, I, 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 I'm going to believe me before I believe you because you're quoting the wrong sources. Amen. Extra 30 minutes. I, uh, I have went over an extra 30 minutes. Amen. And most of those fellas you're listening to on the news media is homosexuals too. And I'm not for that. God's against that. Uh, In the New Testament, Romans chapter 1, he didn't say you could kill them. But he said they're still worthy of death just like they was in the Old Testament. You don't believe that because you've been messing with Joel Osteen. And the world's best man preacher on television, Joyce Meyer. You've been listening to that. That's why you got so many problems. That's why you're confused. That's why you're mad at Bible-believing preachers when they tell it to you straight because you've been listening to that junk. You've been listening to that junk. It's just like when I was a boy. Mama wouldn't let us have cheesecake and, and whipped cream before we ate the meat and potatoes because that junk will ruin your taste for meat and potatoes. Amen? And you listen to that junk all week. And then think, well, what you're, listen, what you're attracted to is not the Word of God. You're attracted to big buildings and fancy cars and preachers with jets. Amen? Worldwide fame. That's, see, you're more attracted to that stuff than you are the Word of God. There ain't, there ain't, listen, you take your Bible and turn it to Genesis to Revelation. There ain't no popular preachers. They're all mean. They're all mean. They fuss with one another. 
Don't they? Hey, Paul the Apostle took the first pope aside and, and was stood him to the face because he was to be blamed. He said, well, what good did that do? Uh, it, got, it got Peter into, he got to write a couple books in the Bible, didn't he? If he had kept going the way he was going, he wouldn't have got to do that because he was messed up. He was going down the wrong road. Simon Peter was going down the wrong road. Read it in your Bible. Amen. Some of you don't even know that stuff is in there. Amen. But you know where all the verses on demons are. Amen. The average Bible uh, consumer this day and time knows all about Genesis chapter 6. Uh, get on the internet and find the most famous videos on the, from the Bible believers. And it's about demons and marital relations with demons. What's wrong with you that you've got to have all that stuff? What, why, do you have to, why do you have to hear about stuff like that in order to be able... You need to run from that stuff. You need to, that, that stuff is not fit to talk about in polite company. Hey man, you don't, that's not stuff you're supposed to drag out in the open and, and talk about like that. Hey man, you say, well, it, it ruins people's sensibilities. Talk about that with all kinds of details. And you don't know no more about uh, Genesis chapter 6 than any other chapter in the Bible. Don't know nothing about that. Well, them sons of God, they had to be, they had to be angels because Adam was fallen. All of Adam's children was fallen. And so they couldn't be sons of God. Well, them angels was fallen. How could they be sons of God? See, you ain't even thought about all the questions yet. I know you ain't got the answers. Why can't you just read what you got, the information you got on the page, and believe it? And move on. Well, if I don't have all the info, I'm not going to believe it. Well, you might go to hell then. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But that, well, I do know this. i tell you what this. i tell you what I do know is that God saves believers. I decided a long time ago, I don't need all the information. I don't need it all. I couldn't handle it all anyway. Do you know what in the world would happen if somebody was to dump in your lap, all the information they had on your wife or on your husband or, Lord, have mercy. That <laughs> caused more problems than you, <laughs> than you imagined that it would, amen. It's a statement about what happened. Now I'm going to move here. I'm going to move, I'm going to move very fast here. Verse one, one verse 1 is a statement. And like I said before, well into chapter 2 and 3, you're still having the description of the statement that you find in chapter 1 and verse 1. 1 verse 2 says it's without form because it had not been formed. I'm catching up on my notes here. And void means nothing was there. And the context is creation. The context is creation. The context is creation. And it listen, in your Bible, the thing that rules supreme is context. When you read your Bible, the thing that rules supreme is context. Now, I know you've heard this uh, because... Uh, a preacher that we all know and that we all love. You can't accuse me of being against them. I'm not against them. But people can be wrong. But they bring out this thing about the law of first mention. And the law of first mention means that when the Bible mentions something, that it's going to be the same all the way through. Listen, but there's hundreds and hundreds of things that use the same words and they talk about different things because context. 
Now let me tell you this. A law means it's that way every time. I pick this up and drop it, it's going to fall. Now if I pick this up and drop it, is it going to float out there and hit one of you in the head? No, because the gravity is a law. And when I I'm not going to let go of this because it looks like it's had enough throwing around already. But if I drop it, it's going to go down and hit the ground because it's a law. It's the same every time. We could do this all day, if we, but I hope you get the point. It's a law. Now listen, if you're going to try to take every word in the Bible, mean what it meant the first time it was used, you're going to be in trouble because you're going to be out of context big time. So look with me now. Look with me now over in Jeremiah chapter 4. Y'all don't mind turning around in your Bible a little bit tonight, do you? Jeremiah chapter number 4. And remember what I said about context. Jeremiah chapter 4. And let's start reading in verse number 10. Oh, excuse me, not 10, 23. I beheld the earth, and lo, it was without form and void. And the heavens, and they had no light. I beheld the mountains, and, they, and lo, they trembled. Well, look, he said it was without form and void. See, Genesis 1, uh, without form and void. Jeremiah chapter 4, without form and void. Law of first mention means it's talking about the same thing. That's ridiculous. If you start reading the Jeremiah chapter 4, it's talking about future, 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 future. And it gets down to without form and void. You're telling me he's telling you future prophecy, future prophecy, future prophecy, Creation, back to future prophecy. Well, listen, in verse number 24, it says, I beheld the mountains. There's mountains there. You come down to verse number, verse number 29, the whole city shall flee for the noise. You say, why wasn't there nobody there? Everybody run away, that's why. God didn't destroy them, they run away. The ones that did get destroyed. Have you ever read Matthew chapter 24? Let them, let them that be in Judea Flee. They don't have fleas. They gotta flee. They gotta run. So it's void. Everybody's gone. The cities are broken down. Look at what it says. The whole city shall flee for the noise of horsemen. There's horsemen there. He said, Well, it says no man. Yeah, there's no man in the city. They fled. This is not a proof text for a gap theory. This is this is a different context. And context means everything. Now, I only mentioned that because I wanted you to see the context of the thing. And the context here is of creation. Hey, when God made the heaven and earth, there wasn't nothing there. And then God took and made something and put something there. And, and, that's, and that's, listen, that's been about 6,000 years ago. I don't, have to, I don't have to jump through hoops to make up for anything that any scientist said about millions of years. Matter of fact, I can take my Bible and show you and I'll do that in just a few minutes. Why they're doing these radiocarbon dating and coming up with hundreds and hundreds of thousands of years. That's easy. That's easy if you've been reading your Bible. It's easy if you believe in, in your Bible. You know what the Bible says? These are so simple things. But I believe, I, I'm going to have to go back to this from time to time. I believe the Bible. And I think the problem is a lot of people don't, they put more stock in scientists than they do the Bible. You know how the Bible says to do things? It says, ask and you shall receive. It says, seek and you shall find. 
If you really wanted to, you'd say, Lord, I need to understand why the Bible only records about 6,000 years so far. And all these scientists are saying millions and billions. Or, have you ever noticed that number gets bigger and bigger and bigger? The, the more they test and the more they prod, the more, the more stuff they find. And I'll show you why that is here in just a few minutes. Amen. The references in Matthew, I'm going to cut that out. I'm going to, uh, I think you understand what I'm trying to say. Uh, in Daniel chapter 9, 27, in Daniel 8, 12 through 13, in Daniel chapter 11, in Daniel chapter 12, verse 11, in Jeremiah 4, 27, the same word keeps coming up. Abomination of desolation and desolation. Jeremiah chapter 4 is the fulfillment of Matthew chapter 24. Jeremiah chapter 4 is the fulfillment of, Dan, uh, of Daniel, Matthew, all those verses that I just gave to you. It's desolate. That's why it's without form and void. Everything's been broken down. That's why in Matthew he says, flee, get out of there, because things are going to get bad. And God prepared a place for him out there in the wilderness, didn't he? Amen. And so when he says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, God made the heaven and the earth, you notice it's a little e. Look in, back in Genesis chapter 1, look down at verse number, look down at verse number 10. And God called the dry land what? How's it spelled? Capital E. That's the first time the planet's mentioned right there. You know, we got some dirt right out here. It's sand, really, but there's some dirt right, but that's not the earth. That's just part of the, the that's a component that makes up the earth. The capital E-A-R-T-H doesn't even show up to verse number 10. It's been underwater the whole time. Not in the water, out of the water. That's Noah's flood. It's been inside the water. We're going to find out why that is. Amen? It, why was it uh, without form and void? Because nothing was there. It's an empty space. Now let's start putting the verses. Job chapter 26. I'm, I'm going to read verses now, okay? Job chapter number 26. Right back where we was just a few seconds ago. A few minutes ago. Job chapter 26. Job chapter 26 and verse number 7. He stretcheth out the north over the empty place. When God began to create the heaven and the earth, he found him a big empty spot. Why, now, I'm not smart enough to tell you where that empty spot is in relation to the Milky Way or any kind of stuff like that. I wasn't there, but I know this, there was a big empty place. Boy, I, in, in the book of Acts, the Bible says, in him we live and breathe and have our being. I wouldn't be surprised if when everything is said and done and the rapture's over and the Millennial reign is over and the new heaven and the new earth has been created. I wouldn't be surprised if we've been tucked away right in here the whole time. I don't, know, I don't have no idea, but I know this, the Bible says, in him. He's talking about lost men and saved men. In him we live and breathe and have our being. And he said it's just like a blind man groping around in the dark, feeling after him, if happily we might find him. Groping around in the dark. There's lost men in there. To be in God is a, is a definite Christian doctrine. When you got saved, God put you in Christ. But I, it's a good possibility the whole creation's in God. But there was no, he says uh, in, in, verse, in Job chapter number 26 and verse number 7, He stretcheth out the north over the empty place and hangeth the earth upon nothing. Upon nothing. Nothing. 
an empty place, the dark. Now, turn over to Job chapter 38, and you remember in Genesis chapter 1, 1, he said uh, the Spirit of God moved. But what did it say about that? The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep. Isn't that what it says? Job chapter, Job chapter 38 and verse number 29. Job 38. I skipped over 38 twice. 38 and verse number 29. Now, out of whose womb... Let me back up a verse here. Hath the rain a father... Or who hath begotten the drops of dew? Out of whose womb came the ice and the hoary frost of heaven who hath uh, gendered it? The waters are hid as with a stone and the face of the deep is frozen. The face of the deep is frozen. So when the Spirit of God, listen, in the very beginning of the creation, the Bible says the face of the deep is frozen. He's not talking about the oceans down here. The ocean's not here. You ever heard about the crystal sea? In your Bible? Well, evidently the bottom of that thing is froze, and above that thing is God's throne. But underneath that thing, it's frozen. The face of the deep is frozen. And the Bible tells you this also in Genesis 6, 7, and 8, when God uh, drowned out the earth and saved Noah and his family alive. The Bible says he opened up the great deep. And in just a, in just a matter of days, everything was underwater. Because there's more water up there than there is down here. Well, look what he says here. He says the face of the deep is frozen in, one, in this place. And he said the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep. The face of the deep. So that's the same place. The face of the deep is frozen. And verse number 31, Canst thou bind uh, the sweet influence of Pleiades? You know what that is? That's a constellation up there. And loose the bands of Orion. Orion's a constellation. The context is... Some place up there. The face of the deep is frozen. And it's up there among the constellations. It's not down here Atlantic Ocean. Pacific Ocean. He says the waters are hit as with a stone. God's hit a bunch of water somewhere. He's frozen it up. And he says the face of the deep is frozen. Canst thou bind the sweet influence of Pleiades or loose the bands of Orion? Canst thou bring forth Maseroth in his season? Constellation. And canst thou guide Arcturus and his sons? Constellation. Those are stars up there. Amen? And then back up to verse number 29 again. Out of whose womb came the ice? Ice was born like a man is born. Ain't that something? Have you ever noticed that verse before? Ice come out of somebody's womb. That's pretty, that's pretty crazy to me. 38 verse number 30 again. The waters are hid with, as with a stone. You know what? That, that's what God does with the little baby when he's going to let him be born. He hides him in his mother's womb. And it's safe in there and gets everything that it needs in there. And then one of these days, the water breaks and man has a water birth. Just like Jesus said, man got to be born of water. And then he's got to be born by the Spirit. And so it starts to begin to seem to me like God made this earth just like he made you and me. Would you believe that this earth is water born? Well, let's see if it is or not. The Spirit of God moves upon the face of the deep. Amen? And this body of water we're talking about, let's look uh, in Job 38, verse 1 through 8. Then the Lord answered Job. Now we're talking. This is, uh, this is how you find out if what you believe is right or not. You find out what God says. God shows up and says, 
from the beginning, God made them male and female. You know why he was able to say that? You know why Jesus was able to say that? Because he was there. You ever heard the saying, who done it? He done it. So I, I reckon he's a little bit smarter than any preacher that's ever told you. It would, and I believe he told us exactly how he done it. Paul said, seeing we have this hope, we use great plainness of speech. God didn't hide nothing between those verses. He just didn't do it that way. But he's given you lots of plain fifth grade English, and you can read it, read it, read it, you'll find these things. The Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee, and answer thou me. Where wast thou when I laid the foundation of the earth? Are we in the right context here? Because you'll be tempted to say, well, you took that out of context. Are we in the right context? This is Genesis 1-1 material right here, ain't it? Where was, that, where was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? Or who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Nothing. He, he hung it in the empty place. I already read you that verse. Or who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together and the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who shut up the sea with doors when it break forth as if it had issued out of the womb? Have you read Genesis chapter 1 where there's all this water and then God causes a firmament to show up and that firmament pushes some of that water back up and some of that water goes down and the dry land appeared and the dry land he called capital E-A-R-T-H. We just looked at that a little bit ago, didn't we? Yeah. But what happens in the, in the creation is God, as the, as the old time preachers say, stepped out upon nothing and made everything when there wasn't nothing there. Yeah. But what, how he done it, see God uses means. You just don't wake up and get saved because God foreordained it. He could have done it that way, but he didn't do it that way. God uses means. If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. He was lifted up. The Bible says he was talking about being lifted up on the cross. And he, then he uses means. He uses his word. He uses his spirit, just like the creation. You can't get saved without the word of God. He said, Brother Mike, all I did was hear a song and I got saved. You better go back and check the words. Amen. Make sure you believe the right thing, amen. Make sure you didn't just have an emotional experience. Make sure you got it straight, amen. Before all this stuff disappears, do, do that. Because the Word and the Spirit, that's what makes the difference. And that's what makes the difference in a man, just like it did in the creation. God uses Word. God uses Spirit. God uses a witness. Go ye into all the world and preach. God uses a preacher. Romans chapter 10, verse number 14. How shall they hear without a, a preacher? How can they believe? Well, it's preordained for me to believe. That's foolishness. God uses means. So in the creation, God used means. The Bible says the face of the deep is frozen. I told you that. The Bible says the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep. And when it did, it broke open like a womb. And out came everything that God was going to make this earth out of, right out of heaven. It was waterborne 
just like a man. You say, what? I just read it to you right there. Or who shut up the sea with doors when it break forth as if it had issued out of the womb. And don't you know, listen, uh, this radiocarbon dating stuff we were talking about, uh, there's, there's two ways to explain that, and they're both true, and they both apply. But the first one is, the reason you're getting 10 million years out of a radiocarbon dating is because they've been around a lot longer than that. The stuff that made the, the stuff that God made this earth out of came out of eternity. And I don't know if you know it or not, but that's a long time. It's a long time. You, you know where you get your best nutrients from? Not Kool-Aid. Not Coca-Cola. Do I have to say not Jack Daniels? <laughs> For all you drinkers, not Jack Daniels. It comes from water. There's good stuff in there. It's the best energy drink that there is. Water is an energy drink. I don't know if you knew that. You say it tastes nasty, though. I know, but it's, it's connected with life. And you've been drinking other stuff so long that that's why it tastes bad to you. Have you ever noticed that water's not that palatable, but after you drink it for three days, it's as good as any other drink you drink? It's just a, what you, a matter of what you're used to. Some of you are still mad at me. I can tell. Like, I'm up here, I'm looking at you in the face. And some of you are still mad. I don't know if it's tone of voice. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. But I do know this. I do know this, that you, you are put out by somebody speaking with authority on a matter just as much as if somebody had smacked you in the face. Amen. And you'll put up with any idiot. The Bible says you suffer fools gladly, seeing ye yourselves are wise. Now, if some other idiot gets up here and puts on a show, doesn't even mean what he's saying, after a paycheck, trying to get a bunch of people to think he's sweet so they'll give him some money. Well, I'm telling you, you've got the wrong cat here. You got the wrong fella because I don't want your money. I don't want nothing you've got. I don't have to be friends with you when we leave. Like if you go away mad, I'm not going to cry about it. I'm not going to beg Nathan to go see what, go ask that brother why they're so mad. No, sir. Not, that's, no, sir. I'm not trying to win a popularity contest. I'm not trying. I hope you get something. I hope you get a blessing. I hope that you see something in the Word of God that you can put your foot on and say, man, I, that's right. That's the truth. Man, these people have been trying to deceive me. And these people have been, I, I, somebody opened the door for the devil to get in pulled. Man, I, that's right, man. Yeah. And if you get that, you don't even have to say thank you. Uh, you, you don't have to shake my hand when you leave. You don't, there's nothing you have to do. Uh, man, but you say, man, amen. I'm like, that's probably a pretty good person right there. I'll never know, but. But see, that's the way the church is made up now. He's just not nice. And you, re you require me to be nice when you're the meanest rascal there ever was. You know what I found out? There's a bunch of preachers, a lot of them around here, because I pastored this church for 10 years. And the first thing, listen, the first thing they'll say if you ask them about me is they'll say, yeah, that guy's a hothead and he's pretty mean. And, and have you ever been to their church before? 
They'll talk to you like a dog sitting right there in the seat and call you by name. Mike, you're a rascal. You're a dirty devil. I never done nothing like that. The re- listen, the reason you're offended is because I prayed and got a message from God and stepped on your toes. That's the problem. I don't know you. I ain't been down to your house. I didn't know you was listening to George Jones and drinking Jack Daniels. That stuff comes down from the heavens. If the shoe fits, wear it. Get, wear it all the way up here and take it off and put it on the altar, you scoundrel. That's not. I, I'm a scoundrel too. I'm not mad at you for that, but things have to be said, amen? Well, what you do is you get in the Bible and you read it and you say, well, God, what's this about? And if he decides not to tell you, you say, well, I guess I'll find out one of these days. You don't make up stuff in order to... See, people talk about demons and they talk about gap theories and they talk about all this stuff because it's fascinating. It's a lot more palatable than you need to get right with God. But listen, if God did make all this stuff, he's got a right to it. And if he made Adam, he's got a right to you. And he's going to do what he wants to with you. And the thing about it, Brother Curtis, is he's already told you everything he's going to do. He ain't going to pull no punches. or uh, He's not going to pull no punches, and he ain't going to pull no surprises. And one of these days, he's going to pop you right in the mouth. And what in the world was that? Because a bunch of preachers enjoyed their reputation more than getting up in front of a congregation and saying, this is the way, walk you in it. That, that's the message of the Holy Spirit. The message of the Holy Spirit is, I hope you feel better today. That's not the, that's not the message of the Holy Spirit. The message of the Holy Spirit is, this is the way, walk you in it. And when you start walking in the way He tells you to walk, then you get the primary function of the Holy Spirit, which is comfort. You're not going to do things your way and get comfort from the Holy Ghost. You're going to get a reprimand. Amen. But there again, you you jump on one verse and take it at face value and spend the rest of your life speaking in tongues when the Holy Spirit is, that's one of the least concerns the Holy Spirit's ever had in in His whole existence, which is eternity. But at any rate, you would think people would understand that, but like I say. Amen? Genesis 1-1, the earth, small component. Genesis 1-10, the earth, planetary. planetary. Amen? And so what you're talking about is God creating everything. But I said it a while ago, and I'm, I'm so glad that pe- when I said he made everything out of nothing, I'm so glad that people wasn't jumping up and down going, Amen! Because in most churches you say, God created everything out of nothing. Amen, preacher! Uh, And that ain't so. He made this place out of something. You say, how do you know? Well, let's check. Yeah, that's something. It's something. You don't make something out of nothing. You make something out of something. Uh, Go down to your your house and hocus pocus you a new garage. It ain't going to work. You say, well, couldn't God do that? I suppose that God could do that, but why would God do that when he's trying to teach you lessons in everything he does? If you're going to build a house and you're going to build a garage and you're going to get a nice car, in part, in, a nice car is subjective, amen? I have, a, I have a 1999 Chevrolet Tahoe. It's painted army green from a rattle can. 
That's a great car. It's a wonderful car. To me, that's a nice car. I also have a Cadillac. They're both cars. But I tell you what, the 99 Chevrolet's running right now. The Cadillac is not. Amen. So which one do you think I like best? Amen. So it's a subjective thing. But if you're going to do all that stuff, get you a nice house and get you a nice car and get you a nice garage and build you a great big yard and put all the stuff you like in it, which is your prerogative. I hope you get everything you want in life. I really do. I really do. But you guess what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to make something. And you've got to make something out of something. And God gives you that. Have you ever heard somebody say this? I'm going to wind this thing up here in just a minute. But have you ever heard somebody say, and the, you, you've all probably said it. I've probably said it a time or two. But have you ever heard somebody say, I just don't know why God loved me. Sometimes I think that that's a, I, sometimes I think that's even a selfish statement in and of itself. See, what Baptists like to do is they like to get up and testify and say, Oh, I'm so unworthy. <laughs> get them tears. You know, Baptists have a peculiar way of crying without shedding no tears, especially preachers. If, if a preacher ever starts preaching long and he starts going, No, God just laid it on my heart. And I come here with such a burden today. Check and see if he's got anything running down his face. Like, I don't know. I got 50, almost 53 years of experience of crying. And like every time I cry, stuff comes out of my nose and my eyeballs. But there's, I, there's some kind of sanctified crying where no tears come out and no snot comes out. And that's a put on. And you, you better not put invest your emotions in that. Because somebody building you up for something that probably ain't so. Because that, that kind of preaching works real good when, hey, oh, my bus needs some tires. And I irresponsibly drove it 900 miles here. And I don't know how in the world I'm going to get home. I don't like that sort of thing. I, I mean, you might get mad because the way I preach, but I get mad the way. And, and when can I have my turn to be mad? Uh, everybody's always mad at me over something. I want to be mad. You're mad because I don't have enough grace with you. When are you going to have grace on me for the way I am? Uh, I, I was 114 pounds when I graduated high school. Some of y'all's shoes weigh more than that right now. Uh, and I had to fight my whole life. I'm naturally on the defensive. And so when I preach, I'm going to preach on the defensive. That's just who I am, amen. But listen, you heard some, you've heard people say, I'm unworthy. But when you preach and say they're unworthy, they move their membership. You ever notice that? Like, I just agreed with you. You said you was unworthy. You even sanctified cried over that thing and took up 45 minutes of the service. Don't you love that when somebody... With that, that one person that testifies for 45 minutes in the church. Help yourself. If you got a lot to say, your wife won't let you talk, go ahead. Uh, but you said, you, you said that you was unworthy, and I preach a message about the unworthiness of men, and you get mad and leave. I, I don't understand that. You a liar. You lied when you said that. Amen. But I got sidetracked on that. What I was saying is, 
is that people get up and they say, I don't understand why God would love me because God's a man of responsibility. Who made man? God did. Now, if it was you, you'd have took Adam and Eve and killed them right there and thrown them into hell. You'd have kicked them out of your church, Adam and Eve. You'd have kicked them out. You know what God does? He finished what he starts. Amen. God could have just magicked all this stuff together. But he put together a project and seen it all the way through. And he's still seeing it all the way through. Have you ever thought about where God is? Sometimes you ought to think. Like there's this wonderful thing you can do inside your own head. You can think about things and be like, wow, it's amazing. Do you think that, do you think that, I mean, in the beginning time started, so God was in eternity. God is in eternity right now. So I don't know exactly how that works because I've never been subject to that kind of environment. But surely, before God created the angels and God created the heaven and the earth, surely he wasn't all by himself sitting in a corner of the universe somewhere doing nothing for eternity. That don't make sense to me. Does it make sense to you that before us, God was all by himself and had nothing to do? I don't, I I can't, I don't, I don't know that the flip side of that, I don't know what the answer to that is, but I know God wasn't by himself going, wonder what I can do today. And if I'm thinking right and correctly about that, God has probably has a lot of other stuff going on out there somewhere that he could be messing with and fooling with while he took the time to come down here and finish what he started with a bunch of rats. I'm not talking about four-legged rodents either. I'm talking about you. You a rat. We're good Baptists. You a bunch of rats. And I'm part of the pack. Man, I hate to say it, but men are nasty, disgusting, booger-eating. And listen, my soul, man, listen. Think about the, Lord, I don't even know how to tell you. Think about how nasty you are. And there's people nastier than you are. See, that ain't, that's why I'm the black sheep. But, but I promise you, I feel the very same way about myself. Anything that I've ever preached, you should hear the message I preach to me. But that's the God's honest truth. The Bible calls men worms. You worm. Well, that doesn't make me feel very special because... You're not special. You're not special. Did you know David was a man after God's own heart? Let me tell you how wonderful David was. David David decides, you know, there was a king living on a hill one time. It, It was called Salem, Melchizedek. And somehow the Jebusites got there. Melchizedek must have left. The Jebusites got in control of that hill. And one day, David, the man after God's own heart, said, I'm going to go up there and take that city. And the Jebusites got wind of it. And they said, David ain't going to come here. Because David has a reputation that he hates sick people. Have you ever read your Bible? 
Lord have mercy, Brother Eddie. If somebody called me up and said, Brother Mike, will you go visit my dad in the hospital? And I said, look, I hate sick people. Do you know how long I would last? The Jebusite said, David ain't coming up here. He hates sick people. He hates the lame. And you know what David did? David went and took the city and got rid of all the sick people. You got to go. Let's go down to the nursing home after church. Wheel them all out, put them on buses. Y'all got to go. Folkston has had enough of you guys. I don't know what all that means, but the Bible says David is a man after God's own heart. And if God created Adam to be a perfect man in a perfect situation with no sin, with no disease, with none of that stuff, and then here we are doing everything we want to do and it breaks down our bodies. Huh? We live in filth. Do you know how much filth we could find in your house if we went and looked real good? Huh? Even if you hiring somebody to, if you hiring somebody to clean your house, you better go behind them and clean because they ain't doing a good job. I'm telling you that. <laughs> and if you depend on your kids to clean the house while you're at work every day, they ain't cleaning it up. They sweeping it under something. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Have you caught them doing that yet? Because that's what they're doing. That's what, nasty people. <laughs> but God finished what He started. Come down here and. I'm sure he's got some other things to do out there. I've often wondered, is there another planet out there where he puts somebody on and they're doing what, it, what they told him to do? I, I'm not saying there is, but you can't say there ain't. You can't say they ain't. You can't say they ain't. Amen. Maybe they got a Bible and they only got one page. I made all this, don't eat off the tree. You don't know. And he could be hanging out with people he likes and he has to come over here and put up with you. Oh God, my toe hurts today. And so he let, he let one king stand out above all other kings that hated sick people. Just to let you know that God don't like this mess. God don't like this mess, but he finishes what he starts because he created this earth by means and he has a means to sustain it all the way to the end. And we could, man, we could talk about so much more. Hey, I told you I was going to tell you about radiocarbon dating. Listen, if you synthesize something in water, look at Romans chapter 1. We're going to close on this. If you want to talk about it more later, man, I got, I got like 10 pages of notes on this. I didn't know how I was going to start and how I was going to finish. But Romans chapter number 1, and there's a couple more verses on this, but Lord have mercy, we don't have time for it. We'd be here till Two o'clock in the morning, which would be fine with me. You'd the only backslidden one that would be upset about that. I wouldn't be upset about it at all. But anyway, Romans chapter number one. That that's not uh, that's not nice, is it? But uh, I, I was here for ten years, so I think you knew what you was getting into to begin with. Rome, uh, Romans chapter one. I quoted you a little bit from Romans chapter one a little bit ago. Romans chapter number 1 and verse number 20. The invisible things of him 
from the, are we in the right context? From the creation. The invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Look, the Spirit of God moved upon the frozen deep, and it opened up just like a woman giving birth. Come out of the womb. I read you that in two different places. All that water comes gushing out, and God collects it in an empty space. As a matter of fact, we could have went through those verses some more, and it said, Hell has no covering. And it's right in the same, it's right in the same context. Right before God did that, He put a place, a literal burning hell, and then this, that cannot be quenched. And then He opens up the great deep, and water comes down here and surrounds that burning hell. And this says the invisible things of Him. For the, you know the Bible says in another place all things are full of labor. This pulpit right here, it looks like wood to us, doesn't it? But if you, and I've even seen them do this, take, the mag, take a, 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 a super, I don't even know what you call a thing because I'm just a dumb country boy. But it's a microscope and they take this little thing and it holds on the end of it just a little sliver of whatever they're trying to look at. It's slim enough and thin enough that they can look through it and see the atomic makeup of that thing. And inside of that thing is just atoms and they're all connected together. And they can see that stuff now. But thousands of years before they ever made a machine like that, God said, all things are full of labor. And you break this thing down to its basic component, and it's just protons and neutrons and junk like that. Stuff I don't even understand. But I believe it because the Bible says it. All things are full of labor. And man is pretty sharp. They can figure some things out. The Bible said if they, talk, if they can all talk one language, they can do anything. That's Genesis chapter 11. That's what God said. And they're all talking the same language now. And they're figuring some things out, which is very dangerous. Which is probably why you got COVID. That was no accident. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not telling you I know how they did it. But they did it. They did it. You're telling me a disease jumps out of nowhere that just kills old people. No, sir. No, sir. Somebody tried to kill you. But anyway. I digress. All things are full of labor. It's atomic makeup. And so here you've got a big ball and you've got fire, a ball of water and you've got fire in the middle of it that cannot be quenched. How can you get fire in the middle of water and it not go out? Because the Bible says it cannot be quenched. And the Bible says in the creation, I read it to you right in the context, hell has no covering. What's God going to do? God in his foreknowledge knew exactly what was going to happen here. He created hell for the devil and his angels and then he dumped a load of water on it and then a nuclear reaction began to take place. Have y'all got nuclear reactors around here? We got, we got some in Delaware. You got some in Jacksonville. I know you do. I've seen them down at the power plant. Them big things that look like a cone. Those are nuclear reactors. And inside those things, they've got a little... Uh, bots down in there and it's covered in water so it doesn't overheat. And it's got water that runs through there constantly. And inside that there's a nuclear reaction. One atom. And it's powering downtown Jacksonville. Ain't that pretty wild? So God lets that water break forth out of the great deep and he collects it in one place and it's with, the earth is without form and void. And that nuclear reaction begins to fuse together and make 
everything you got here. You've got a uh, periodic table that tells you all the elements. And all you got to do is take that atom and fuse it one way, and it's carbon. And fuse it one way, and it's something else, radium. And that's the way God made things. And he formed it just like that. And that water's there to contain the heat. And one of these days, the Bible says in Second Peter chapter 3, that he's going to repeat that process with no water, and the elements are going to melt with the fervent heat. And he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherein dwelleth righteousness. So you've got a water-born, God-created, God-formed heaven and earth that's right here today. And what I'm trying to tell you about that, that they look up these, I told you one reason that the carbon dating is astronomical in regards to being more than 6,000 years because it came out of eternity. But the other reason is, is anything, anything synthesized in water is going to show much, 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 much older than it is. If you want to read, if you want to go read the scientific journals to figure out if I'm telling you the truth or not, go ahead. You'll come back tomorrow and say, oh, you're right about that. And they find little sticks over in Egypt and they say, they radiocarbon dated. This thing's a million years. And the scientist comes back and, no, you found it in a ditch. It was in the water. It's only 3,000 years old. Well, what was the problem? It was growing in a ditch where it was wet. And the water has carbon in it. Like, that's how we live. Yeah, of course, we live in a day and time now where they tell you carbon's bad. All that, all that carbon in the air. No, no, it's good. That's what your trees eat. Take away the carbon. Who's going to feed the trees? They thrive off of it. You know what you get out of trees? You know how the tree makes oxygen? The carbon. So park your SUV under your favorite tree tonight. Leave it running, and it'll be a healthier tree tomorrow. Amen? Boy, uh, I wish most of us wouldn't backseat because I would finish these notes. Amen? <laughs> and if I got real brave, I'd talk to you like your mama. I'm going to feed you this, and you're going to like it. If I could only find a way to do that, I would, because I'm not scared to do it. But anyway, and I don't know how long I preached, but God said it was long enough, so let's, let's quit right there. Listen, I hope you take something away from it. You can trust your Bible. It's, it's the most scientific book that there is. All the answers are in there. I had a fellow tell me not too long ago, he says, the gap theory just answers too many questions. I said, you ought not be asking questions. That's the devil's job. I wish you would just get simple enough to go. I mean, people make fun of you if you're a simple country person. But just go home, read your Bible, and believe it, and trust God. I mean, think about this. Who are you that God has to explain everything to you anyway? Most of you would stand up and freely confess, Hey, man, I'm not worthy. I'm just thankful to be saved. I'm glad God saved me. So if you really believe that, then turn a deaf ear to the radio announcer or to the scientist that denies your God or the man that's trying to turn your children into homosexuals, turn a blind ear. Don't, when they say that that stuff doesn't matter and you can get along with all those people, turn a deaf ear to that. Turn a deaf ear to that and say, no, I ain't listening to that. I'm going to be more stubborn still. I mean, if they call you backwards, hey, David's own wife said, you're vile. You've acted vile today. He said, I'm going to be more vile than that. 
You say, what was that? David wasn't trying to be mean, but he wasn't trying to get somebody to lead him away from the God he was worshiping and serving either. And the, the answers that you're looking for in the Bible, if you need them, God will give them to you. They're in there and they're simple. They're easy to read. God's not going to make you find nothing between no verses. And God's not going to say something in one spot and then use 50 other verses. Well, that was just a general statement and all these other more specific statements. No, God only makes specific statements. Amen. And you can trust it. And you can believe in it. And you can follow his example. When things don't go right, keep trying. Well, I don't know if I should invest no more time in that. God does for you. I understand their situations. I understand some of you can't put your children in danger for certain people and you can't risk certain things. I understand there are situations like that. But for the most part, you can give people more chances and you can try a little harder. And just because you didn't find a job this week, you can find one next week. Amen. You can mow your neighbor's yard for free. Amen. In all labor, there's profit. Get busy and finish. Finish up. You was born. You didn't have nothing to do with that, but here you are. And God's give you every example and every good example about sticking with it till it's done. Amen? Amen. Uh, might even be a fella in here thinking about, well, I'll just end it all. No, just finish it out. Yeah. 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 Get mad. Yeah. Get mad, brother Mike? Yeah, be ye angry and sin not. Roll up your sleeves and say, I ain't, I'm going to win this. I'm not talking about fussing with your neighbor. I'm talking about this stuff that gets you so discouraged that man, the Lord got in a couple of places where He said, "I'm gonna just kill them all. They won't believe me. I'm gonna kill them all." I know it had to be a test, but it's a good example. And Moses said, "Man, if you do that, they'll say you couldn't do it." Maybe, maybe that's what I'm here for tonight, man. If you quit now, they'll say you couldn't do it. They'll talk bad about you, Eddie, if you quit. <laughs> hey, and so just keep on going. Roll your sleeves up. Get mad. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with it till it's done. And chase your kids if you got to, and chase your uncles and your relatives if you got to, and stick with it and keep preaching and keep believing the Bible. And they'll try to discourage you and tell you it's all rubbish and made up. It's not rubbish. This is the smartest book. I've listen. I've read Hawkins books. I've read any atheist that writes books. I've read their books. I know what they're saying. They are nuts. They are nuts. The things that they are saying in their books is 50 times harder to believe than this because it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I, the Big Bang. What went bang? Well, it all started with the Big Bang. What went bang? It's ridiculous. It's foolish. Nothing just goes bang. Something has to go Bang! It's ridiculous. Don't let them talk you out just because they look smart or act smart or got city ways of talking and doing things. Just take your Bible, read it, believe it. And Dawkins is a dummy. Amen. Amen. But you know, I got. Uh, they take a guy in a wheelchair. This is how evil they are. They take a guy in a wheelchair and roll him out and hook him up to a computer. And this computer starts talking. And this guy can't say a thing. He can't move. 
He can't do nothing for himself. He can't educate himself. And they roll him out there and use a computer to say, the Big Bang and evolution. And how are you going to argue with a man like that? You do it by saying, God said to shut your mouth. But see, a while ago when I said something about rolling the people out in folks, he's like, oh, oh. But they, listen, God doesn't care if they roll a woman. Huh? Or a cripple. The result of that's all the same, turning people's hearts and minds away from God. Amen. And that's all you got today is a bunch of men acting like women. Say, so, Brother Mike, listen, I dare you to mistreat my wife. I dare you to mistreat your wife in front of me. Hey, I don't, I'm not talking about male chauvinism or nothing, but the Bible says there's a way to do things. Amen. And that's the way you ought to do them, you ought, the way you ought to stick to it. But they, they take... I heard something the other day, Brother Curtis. Me and you are pretty interested in what's going on. I'll just talk to you for a while. I heard uh, a man talking the other day about why there's so many men in prison right now, and it's not because the justice system is, is stacked against them or anything like that. The reason why there's so many men in prison is because they are raised by their mothers, and the mothers operate on emotion, and those guys got mad because something wasn't going the way, and they reacted like a woman and got their hides put in prison. Amen. Amen. And, but now you got, listen, now you got the ladies' organization and churches running most things. That's why you go to church, and it's mostly just women. And a preacher that talks like he's trying to put a hickey on your wife's neck. I don't make the women mad. Hey, if all you ladies want to get mad and leave, we'll have a better service this week. <laughs> you say, oh, oh, no, but I would, I would say that to make you mad enough not to hinder the rest of the services. Amen. Amen. Now, listen, on the other hand of that, you're being abused or something like that, you come let me know. We'll put a stop to it. We'll put a stop to it. You're tired of getting beat up? You want to get beat up? Then keep going back to the same mess. We'll come down and tell somebody, Brother Mike hates women. You don't know nothing about it. You don't know nothing about what I hate or what I like. Right there's my wife. Right there's my children. You can talk to them after service all you want to. Ask them how many whoopings they've got. Ask my wife how many times I've forced her into doing it. I'm not a male chauvinist, but God said a man's supposed to run his house. God said a man's supposed to preach out from here. Amen. We got churches now. Where, well, let's hear what the women have to say. I don't care what you got to say, ladies. Amen. Amen. Listen, the Bible says in the last days that the women and children are going to rule over them. Have you read the Bible about that? Not here. Not for me. I'm not going to play along with it. Amen. But the churches, listen, people can get up and say anything in church now. They can say anything they want to and turn God's truth into the, all the foolishness they want to because the authority of the man in the home and the authority of the preacher in the pulpit has been destroyed by a bunch of people's feelings. I feel like it shouldn't be that way. Well, go home and take some Novocaine. Get rid of those feelings. Amen. Let somebody tell you the truth and preach the truth to you. And stop letting people fill your head full of, fill your head full of junk and stick with the Bible that these liberals have been trying to take away from you all these years. Those liberals was telling you in the 1960s, do what you want to. Don't let that preacher treat you like that. 
Don't let those religious people treat you like that. Well, they got you away from the preacher. Now they're telling you what to do. Now they're telling you what to do. And you can't, you're, you're not black if you don't vote for the right people. Huh? You're not American if you don't vote for the right people. You hate women if you talk about a man's authority. If you don't, you know, if you don't let your son play on the girls' wrestling team, then you hate women. That's where you're at now. Huh? Mm, yeah, it, it's not a matter of right and wrong anymore. It's a matter of just who's in charge. Amen. I don't know how I got on that, but amen. Maybe it'll help the rest of the week. I don't know. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and grace. Thank you, God. Boy, there's a lot of liberty here in this pulpit. I thank you for that, Lord. It's the way I left it, and it's the way it still is. And I thank you for that and praise you for it. Thank you for these people that are still here. I thank you, God, for these people that are still uh, trying to follow your word. And, Lord, that's all we need. We don't need 100,000 people. We don't need, uh, Lord, the biggest crowds. Uh, but, Lord, we do need people that believe your word and, uh, and will cling to your word, even if it hurts their feelings a little bit. Lord, my feelings have been hurt uh, by people telling me the truth many a times, but I always got over it by getting right. And I thank you. I thank you for that great truth. You can help our feelings and heal our feelings and give us better feelings if we just follow your word. And I thank you for your word. I thank you for a Bible that's got all the answers. And I, don't, I never do. I don't have the answers. Uh, Brother Curtis don't have the answers. Brother Nathan don't have the answers. But the Bible has the answers. And, Lord, you'll tell them to us, and, and we'll preach them. We'll forget them three weeks later, and we'll have to study them again because we're just that foolish. But, Lord, you keep telling us, and we'll, we'll do our best to keep preaching and keep telling the truth and keep trying to lead our families the way we ought to lead them. And, Lord, our homes and, and Lord, our churches. And, Lord, we need you here. We need your help. We need a revival this week. We need some of these ladies to get right. We need some of these men to get right and fulfill the responsibilities and roles and finish the job. Don't give up and throw their hands. You give us so many wonderful examples in the creation and in our salvation about how you finish what you start. And I pray you'd help us to learn these little lessons. So many other lessons. Lord, I, I really do believe I could have preached three or four more hours and talked about these things. But, Lord, I, I know better than to do that. I preached long enough and maybe too long as it is. But I thank you, God, for the opportunity to stand up and talk about this book. And in my heart, God, I would talk about it all night and into tomorrow. Uh, but I guess that's something that don't uh, go over well in this day and time, even though movies are three or four hours long. But Lord, I, I pray you'd help us to get back to the place where, and Lord, I know some of these people used to be in a place where they'd get together and talk about the Bible to the wee hours of the morning and listen to a man talk about the Bible. And just rejoice and fellowship and great truth coming from your word. Help us to get back to that place where we care more about that than video games and any other thing. Lord, I don't have nothing against those things, but this ought to have the first and the primary place in our hearts and lives. This word, this book that you've given us that's so complete and Lord, uh, and so scientific. Lord, I, I pray you'd help it, uh, uh, help it to be magnified in our hearts and minds. And we'll thank you and praise you for what you do. In Jesus Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Let me, let me leave you with this. I, I know you've been here for a while and some of y'all dying to go home so you can watch YouTube videos and stuff like that. Uh, how long have you pastored here? Uh, Brother Mike pastored here for 10 years. My wife and I came in 2010. We got married in June of 2011. Got married right in this church and it was hot. It was hot. The old windows, it, it was terrible. But anyways, I'm glad I married my wife, but it was a terrible wedding. Uh, 
I guess yeah, it was short. Some of y'all mad about that. I, it wasn't your wedding. Get over it. But anyways, uh, uh, what you're looking at, uh, I know some of you, I don't know who, but just listening to Brother Mike preach, some of you probably got upset with him the way that he preached. But let me just, let, let, me, let me be on his side for a second. Uh, there are a lot of people that are members of this church that were here when he came. We came when uh, shortly after, I, I don't know how long after uh, he was here and we came. And there are people sitting in this building right now that ha- came to this church and they were on dope. There's people in this church that came to this church and they were drinking. Folks sitting in this church right now. I'm not talking about folks that have come and gone. I'm talking about folks that's in here right now. They came to this church and they was listening to country music and going home and crying their eyes out and depressed and discouraged. And what you got tonight it was the steady diet of the time that he was here. Preachers in this area cussed him out behind his back because they, they don't have the testosterone flowing through their veins to come confront him to his face. So they... They cuss him out behind his back and fuss about that and, you know, come to the meetings. They come to the meetings here in this church and shake his hand and, you know, buy him tires and all that kind of stuff. Well, the whole while he's coming here and ripping these people's face off, I was one of them. He'd find out something that I was doing and I, I promise you it felt like he was making a message just for me. And he'd preach on it. And you know what people in this church did? By the grace of God, they started getting their hearts right. and People started getting rid of things out of their life. And what you're sitting in right now is probably the best church in the state of Georgia. You you say, I don't believe that. Okay, that's fine. You believe what you want to believe. But I, I can guarantee you this. There's more liberty to preach in this church. And this is a church where it's comfortable to be. I'm not talking about you, you know, go come in here and listen to C.C. Winans and Big Daddy Weave. But it's, it's a place where the truth goes out freely and not worried about who's going to get upset about it. And it's, here it still stands. Uh, we said a while back when Brother Mike was here, I'm not going to tell you the numbers because it's for our church folks, but when Brother Mike was here, my wife was doing the books. We brought in a certain amount of money uh, in, a, in a year's period, and it's only increased. This way works. It works. You say, well, it made me mad. That's because you're on the wrong side. That's all there is to it. And so you go home tonight and you chew him up and talk about him. And I, I, I don't care. He's not going to care. You going to care? He's going to go lay his head on his pillow tonight. Probably not even have to take a baby aspirin. And Alka-Seltzer. Yeah. He'll go lay down and we'll go to sleep. And we're not worried about the fact that you left mad. We're going to pray for you. Yeah, we're going to pray for you. Believe it or not, that kind of preaching, that kind of preacher is the kind of guy that really loves you. Uh, But tomorrow night we'll be here. Tuesday night we'll be here. And you come back and get as much help as you want. 
This way works, folks. This newfangled way, bringing in all this contemporary music and trying to get everybody in touch with their feelings, it don't work. All it leads us to is just more people getting more depressed, people blowing their brains out, people are overdosing on prescription medications. It don't work. This way works. So you do with that what you want to. I like this way. That's my pastor. I'm, I'm proud of him. I'm glad I'm saved. But I'm following a man. Father, thank you for the service tonight. Lord, I know it's been a long night, but I love it. I enjoy it. God, pray you bless the preacher. Pray you bless his service. Help these folks that have been here tonight. God, thankful for every home. God, every individual, God, that's here, represented here this evening. God, pray you help them. God, bless them, Lord, as we dismiss. God, thank you for the good day in your house. Pray you bless tomorrow night. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, good evening. God bless you. You're dismissed.